Check. You there? Oh, yeah. Good morning. Good morning. I was waiting. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> this is your turn now, right? Every Sunday, I try to find a way to give him some grief. Now, his shoes on the other foot. I could take it, though, dog. I could take it. <laughs> We're going to finish up the series, God's Will. Take a look at your uh, insert there. It's a little bouncy, so just hang with me. Um, let me read the passage. And then let me pray. So we're we're finishing up the series in Romans, and then Mike's going to start another one. I think uh, the four men who missed Christmas. And so he'll walk through the four people that, I think it's four, three, that missed, the three men, the gentlemen that missed Christmas. Um, but we're looking at Romans 12, 14. 12, 12, 14 through 16, and I'm I'm here to tell you that Mike Mike politely asked me to take this piece, and I start doing the study. We 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 could really preach each line of this for three more sermons. There was enough stuff there, so I'm going to try and walk you through it in the context of really coming to understand that God. To love, the, the context being to love without hypocrisy. To serve and, 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 and changing my insides without hypocrisy. Standing before the Father and now standing in front of the brother and sister. And being able to love one another and love folks outside the fam without hypocrisy. Okay? So this is the action step. And the problem is none of this stuff we can do without first understanding God's promises. To be able to partake in his promises and, and be able to understand his commitment to us. In my business, we call that attachment. We call that secure attachment. Uh, people who are securely attached feel safe and have a, a place that, from which they can snoop and inspect and check things out. Because they're pretty sure that that place or that person is not going to move and will be there for me. It frees me up. It gives me confidence. It gives me security. It gives me the capacity to, even in the face of tension, to continue to breathe. Not because of who I am, but who I'm connected to. That makes sense? Okay. So, Romans, Paul says this. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. I can never say that word. But associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Never be wise in your own sight. So the first thing I want to think about with you guys is... Um, when I first looked at this, I was thinking, okay, so Paul's helping us understand our position in Christ and our position with God in terms of his commitment, and then he gets us in the huddle. 
And he says, y'all know who these ladies are? Back in my day, these was the foxiest ladies in town. Okay? And they did a song called We Are Family. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm considering Paul. Now, I'm seeing Paul not so pretty. But saying to the folks, we're family. God has included us. We were aliens and strangers and hostile. And God decided to show us love. And we are no longer aliens or strangers to him. And that's a big deal. And not only are we no longer aliens and strangers, but we're considered family. Considered family. And as a consequence, we have a father who's committed to us. And because we have that connection, now Paul's saying, now you know what you got, y'all. And he got us all in the huddle, and he says, okay, now on three, we got to go do it. Oh, wait, wait a minute. We first got to do it with each other as well. And then he says some things about what we need to do. Now, I want everybody to put your hand up. I got five things I want you to remember, okay? Close your hand, put your thumb up. Wiggle it. That's bless, okay? Finger up. Bless and rejoice. Rejoice. Okay, middle 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 finger, longest one. Bless, rejoice. I'm gonna see if you guys can do this. Bless. I want to see thumbs wiggle. Rejoice. Watch that middle one though. It can mean something else. Okay, be impartial. Okay, fourth finger. Be caught up with. Be crazy about. Okay. And the fifth finger, little one, don't wiggle much. See all them hands wiggle, but that fifth one, that stands for be humble or live in humility. Okay? Let me see if we got it. I'm not going to say it. Let's see if I got it. I'm going to put it up. <laughs> see, that's what happens. Like, I got this, man. I got this. Oh, wait, wait. What was that? Okay? Be impartial. Okay. Oh man, y'all y'all killing me here. That means I gotta preach today. Oh okay. Bless. Okay, rejoice. Be impartial. Be crazy. Be humble. Okay? Alright. Let me see it. Hands up. We got it? I'm teaching y'all some charismatic stuff. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. So Paul says those are the things that fam do, not only for, but see, to to love without hypocrisy also means I have to bless without hypocrisy. Paul says, bless those that persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Okay? Okay. Bless them without hypocrisy is what I'm saying. What he did was he stole it from what Jesus said that's captured in Matthew 5:44 and captured in Luke 6, 27 through 28. I'll read it. So in Luke, he says, Jesus says this, but I say to you all who will listen to me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, 
Bless those who curse you and pray for those who treat you badly. Now, I'm reading this and I'm thinking, bless. I can bless fam. I got mad love for y'all. We on the same team. You do something goofy, I still got mad love for you. But bless your enemies. Bless those who persecute you. The word bless in the Greek means two things. Good speak. See, in the Hebrew and Greek culture, they believed that your spoken word had power. In the Old Testament, in Proverbs, it says, it says that same thing, that God had given man the power with his tongue to bless, to breathe life to life or breathe death to life, to speak life to life or speak death to life. The Hebrews believed that what you said really mattered. And so Paul is saying it's easy to love family. It's easy. It's much more difficult to love your enemy. The word persecute is the word it means to be pursued after. And it seems that Paul's saying that as believers, once we understand the new covenant, come to understand that we get to have a position with the Father for at no cost to ourselves but cost to Jesus, that thing that grows inside us makes us so weird to the rest of the world that we become the persecutor. We become the pursued after, partly because people don't understand. How is it? I remember being a freshman at Sterling College, and I came there to play basketball. And I remember looking in at the campus fellowship group, me and my boys, looking in. And my frame was, them dudes are a bunch of weirdos, man. You see that dude hugging them other dudes? Man, I'm out of here, man. I got to get out of here. I remember looking at what they singing for. Life ain't happy. I remember looking in. Now, I had no idea at that time Jesus got me to that school. I thought I was coming to the school to show Milt Thompson I could play basketball. I had no idea. A year later, I'm one of them goofballs in the room. And, and and now the freshman's looking in at me. What's that dude doing in there, man? Look at him hugging people and stuff and praying and all that craziness. And I understand from the inside now. Oh. Oh. It seems as though God is going to call us to bless just like he's blessed us. God says in, in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 through 5, that we are to show compassion. That he, he shows, the Father shows he's the Father of compassion. He gives us compassion, which means before we became believers, we needed his compassionate gaze because we were an enemy. We were foreigner, alien. And God said, instead of giving you what you deserve, I'm going to give you what you have in earth. And I'm going to show compassion and mercy toward you. Bless. He blessed us. So Paul says in 2 Corinthians, the compassion the Father gave us, we're to give to other people. 
way to give to other people. Now, that's all good and well until somebody really hurts you. I have a friend named Hasim Kamisa. He's this guy. I don't know if this will work. Hasim. I serve on a board with him. And Hasim has a son named Tyreek. And Tyreek's dad is named Plez Felix. He's Muslim, came to the United States, and is a Southern Baptist minister. And Plez was raising his grandson, Tony. And Tony and Tyreek meet one night in San Diego. Tariq is working for Domino's or some pizza place that delivers. He gets a bogus call from young gang members to come to this house to deliver pizza. Tariq gets there, figures out it's the setup, tries to get away, and Tony shoots him. Shoots him. Kills him. Dead. You see the picture? What does bless the me now? In the context, he says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and don't curse. See, the Hebrew for curse is to be able to speak badly. There was the belief that I could actually cast a spell with what I said. If you were Hasim, what would you do? How would you feel about Tony? Your son's gone. And you know who did it. Now, Hasim wasn't there when they sentenced Tony. He was grieving the loss of Tariq. And Hasim tells the story much better than I do. But Hasim is a faithful guy. Understands love. But more importantly, Plez understands love from a gospel perspective. Plez context has seen, has seen context Plez, and they say, we got to do something about this. Both of our sons are gone. What would you do? Plez and Hasim have a project in Southern California. You want to know what it's called? It's called the Forgiveness Project. It seems to me that both men had a reason to curse. And what was it that changed that around? Scripture serious. Paul's saying, Bless without hypocrisy, which means if I can't bless Randy and he does something to me, my job isn't to fake it. Oh, brother, I'm going to bless you in the Lord and put that fake Christian smile on. That's not what I'm supposed to do. Bless without hypocrisy, which means I don't have it in me. God can you. God's got to do that in me. Some of you are going through things, have been assaulted by things, been persecuted by things, have lost loved ones, and you can't do it. You can't see blessing. You can't hear blessing. Only thing coming out of your mouth is curses. 
The cool thing about that is I can stand before the Father with confidence and curse. And eventually God will exchange the curse. See, it seems sad. When his son was dead, he wasn't trying to shake hands with, with, with Plez. He wanted to kill Tony. Plez didn't want to shake hands with Hasim. He was embarrassed and ashamed of his grandson. He didn't want to talk to his grandson. Son, 25 years, we'll get out in 2027. He didn't want to see his grandson. He could not believe what his grandson did. Now, the real miracle is when Tony gets out of prison, Hasim is going to give him a job. Because they started a Tariq forgiveness project, and they both together agreed that if this was for real, when Tony gets out, he's got to work. He's got to work for this organization. Something happened between those two men. And that's what Paul's talking about. This idea of blessing those who persecute. Bless and not curse. I think Paul puts it out there because he knows what our tendency is. In the flesh, when stuff don't go my way, you can forget a blessing, though. You hurt me or you hurt my family. My daughters will tell you I got a bad habit of holding a grudge. Right, Haley? <laughs> she said, Dad, you got to give that up. <laughs> Somebody hurt my daughter. I'm, I'm, I don't want nothing to do with them. Nothing for years. And now I'm not saying that's a good thing. That's how I am. God has to change that. And he is changing that. Bless those who curse. Don't. Now, what's tied to that is the second piece. Rejoice without hypocrisy. Rejoice. And what I understand about that is in the war we're in, the spiritual war, the, the battle that's already won, but that we got to live through on this side of the grave, the tension that we live with, those of us who understand the tension have a bond together. And Paul says something that's really interesting. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. See, I believe this. When you're in a battle and you go through it with some people who are in it with you and understand the tension, when you understand my tension and I understand yours, when I understand you can't be the believer you want to be, and you understand I can't be the believer I want to be, and we're not lording it over each other, we're in it together, hooking arms. Then when something happens and a brother or sister's going through things, the weeping that occurs connects us, bonds us together. But don't forget, he says, rejoice first. The celebrations that we have, the understanding of how we have come to places that we had no idea. When this church started, it started out of a bellyache of pain. Most of you have no idea. We were, several of us were worshiping at another church. 
and the church blew up. And I'm not saying blew up in a young way it was good. Blew up in a bad way. And as a handful of us were spinning around in anguish, we got together and said this thing, this, this message about grace has to continue. Has to continue. And the Lord provided a way out of no way. Next thing you know, somebody gets contacted or contacts O'Gorman. We're meeting at Mike and Marsha's place, and we find out that O'Gorman's open. And I'm telling you, almost a week later, maybe two weeks later, we're sitting in O'Gorman worshiping again and listening to teaching. And it was just a handful of us. It was 40 or 50 of us in that big old arena. And we had been through it. Been through it. And I'm telling you, as a kid who grew up in a place where I've been through two divorces, I went through two divorces before I was seven years old. I'm telling you, when the church blows up, it's worse. It's worse pain. Because to this day, I see people in the mall, they turn the other way. Christians. We act stupid. Paul saying, if you're in it together, rejoice with and weep with one another. Even if your rejoice comes at your own expense. That's the really other important idea. Because the truth is, Terry and I go to the store. Terry buys a lottery ticket, I buy a lottery ticket. Terry hits the jackpot. He gets a million. Now, I'm going to say, congratulations, Terry. You got the million. But when I go home, I'm telling my wife, man, I should have got that ticket, man. I don't care about the Terry. How he got the ticket? How come I didn't get the ticket? And that's how we are. True or false? Amen? Okay? So rejoicing is hard to do. And I'm a very poor. I wish I was a better loser. I, 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 wish, I, I wish I could look at, you know, my, my competitor and shake his hand and, Love, man, love. No, nah, man, I'm not going to do with you no more, man. I'm out of here. There's a there's a ritual, though, I learned watching my daughter play volleyball. That taught me something. I take a picture almost every time. I don't keep them all, but I take a picture almost every time. And when my daughter was a freshman at Northwestern, they would play teams, and then I watched this happen with my oldest daughter, but I didn't really understand it. They would play a game, and then at the end of the game, no matter what the outcome is, Northwestern goes and circles up. And the other team, I watch teams that don't really understand what's going on, like circle up, and they hold hands. And one of the Northwestern girls who's been asked to lead, usually this upperclassman, will lead both teams in prayer. And then they finish it by gathering together, putting their hands up, and they say, for him. Right? Now, I ain't trying to say for him if you beat me. You can forget that. Okay? But I've watched it every game for him. And I watch my daughter who's crying while she's saying for him because the team kicked their butt. And I watch other teams cry because they kicked their butt. Gather together. 
can you rejoice when it's at your expense? Weeping, can you can you can you be in the presence of people's pain? See what Paul's saying is, you know, God was thinking about you when you was thinking about yourself. Now it's your turn to think about other people instead of thinking about yourself. And that creates tension. And, and, and God's promises, if you understand the promises, over time, you will be able to be less self-focused and self-centered. And even when it costs you, you'll be able to genuinely, without hypocrisy, celebrate and weep with your brother and your sister. And your brother and your sister may not be who you think it is. Then I think he says something that's at the heart of this thing. He says, um, live in harmony with one another. Live in harmony with one another. And I think that's at the heart. Because Paul talks about it. I put it in, I mean, James talks about it. He says this. And I, I got it out of the um, JB version of uh, the Bible because I like the way he said it. So I put it in there. So I'll read it. It says, don't ever attempt, my brothers and sisters, to combine snobbery with faith in our glorious Lord and Jesus Christ. Suppose one man comes in to the meeting well-dressed and with a gold ring on his finger and another man obviously poor arise in shabby clothes. If you pay attention to the well-dressed man by saying, please sit here, it's an excellent seat. And say to the poor man, stand over there, please. Or, or if you must sit, sit on the floor. Doesn't that prove that you're making class distinctions in your mind? The, the Greek there is judgment. And setting yourself up to assess a man or a woman's quality, it's a very bad thing. No partiality. No partiality. The other verse that comes into place here is Ephesians. Ephesians 2.14. And in Ephesians, Paul writes about how we were once foreigners and strangers. But because of what Christ did, he tore down the dividing wall of hostility. And he was talking about the dividing wall that separates the Jew from the Gentile. And to understand that dividing wall, you have to understand some sort of race tension. See, I stand before you because I understand. I grew up in the 60s. And I know the tension between white and black. Do you know what it's like to be hated because of your skin color? Do you? Do you? Do you know what it's like to know that somebody could take something from you just because they have the right skin color? Do you know that? Do you know the the power of coming and having a white cop pull you over and what it might feel like to know he could do anything he wants? And you got nothing. Maybe. Do you know the power of walking in the alley as a woman knowing you can't? I got to get to my car. Man, you ever think about that? 
See, there's all kinds of differences. And Paul is saying God took the admitting, the, the hostility between Jews and Gentiles, and he tore down the dividing wall. No partiality is serious. We are not to look at our fellow brothers and sisters. See, here's the problem that I believe. Partiality comes when I first make a judgment and I sort you, good or bad, moral or immoral, however you do it. And the people in the have-not pile I treat like a nobody, like they're not a person. See, racism can only fly if I treat blacks like they're not people or whites like they're not people or women like they're not people or men like they're not people. It's the only way they can fly. I have to somehow tell myself, I'm a person and you're not. And I have to find a line to do that. And Paul is giving us an imperative command to show no partiality, to be of one mind. The word harmony is really not what he's talking about there. It's not, let's get along. He's saying, give your brother and sister what you would give yourself, what you would want for yourself. The golden rule. Shows up in all kinds of faith traditions. Do unto others what you would have them do unto you. Shows up in all kinds of traditions. That's what he's saying. Treat him or her like a somebody, like you would want to be treated. Crazy. That's the challenge. That's the focus. To be treated like that. To treat a little kid like you would want to be treated. Dignity and where there's no, where there's partiality, you can guarantee there's no respect. Where there's partiality, you can guarantee there's not just dislike, there's contempt, hostility, and rage. And in extreme cases, where there is partiality, there's violence. Verbal violence, emotional violence, and even physical violence. Paul's saying, dude, for real. Not here. He's challenging you to be of one mind, to not be haunted, to not be a snob, not be superior. Instead, what he says is associate with the lowly. Now, the challenge there is this associate with the lowly. That, that word there is, is a crazy word because it means to associate means to be caught up with, to be crazy about. Let me ask you this question. I show you this slide. How many of you have a problem with this slide? Raise your hand if you really have a problem with this slide. Okay. I know a handful of you have a problem with this slide, right? <laughs> Brett, you got a problem with this slide? It's not, it's not quite in order, right? You want to fix the manhole, right? Okay. So caught up has to do with being 
crazy about something. See, OCD, how many of you would say, I know a friend who got a little OCD, right? And what that means is I'm passionate about details that don't make sense to everybody else. I like things that line up. I'm sorry. I wanted to go from high to low. I wanted to be red, all red, no pink, red, then blue, then pink. How are you going to do it? Well, what Paul's saying is I want you to be caught up. Don't be caught up with the puffed up and the and the perfect and the blah, blah, blah. He's saying be caught up with the lowly. Be OCD about the have-nots. Why? Because we were once them. Be passionate about sharing the message. I remember church changed for me. I became a Christian in 1980. From 1980 to about 1995, I never invited anybody to church. Didn't happen. Did not happen. Now, how, how could that be? See, when I got a good haircut, when I got a tight line and a tight haircut, I'm telling my boys, hey, man, you got to get my boy to cut your hair, man. You got to get him to cut your hair. I watch ladies in my office meet each other. Oh, that's a nice blouse. Where'd you get that? They're telling each other about it. I'm not telling anybody about where I go to church. What's up with that? Here's what I found out. No good news. Did you hear what I said, Randy? No good news. At least I wasn't hearing it. Then I started to hear about this crazy word called grace. Grace. Mercy. First time I heard it, Mike said, blessed are the poor in spirit. And I thought that was blessed are those who have the strength to go to Africa and be Mother Teresa. And he did this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Got nothing in their pocket but some rags. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they who has no other alternative to deal with their tension but Jesus. That's what that meant. I went, wait, 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 where'd you get that from? And I started understanding grace. I started understanding that I favored with God at at his expense. That I have a relationship that's forever at his expense. And I understood it wasn't an insulated relationship. didn't protect me from life. Just because I have fortune, it might go. Just because I'm having... Angst, it might go. But I, but when it's done, I get to stand with him. The king. And I get to walk in. And he says, Jay, what, 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 you know, how come you're here? And I said, Jesus, man, I'm in. You can't even stop me. Jesus, the Jesus card lets me in the back door. And I get to go right into the den with the father and kick my feet up on his desk. What's up, dad? How you doing? And he says, I'm glad to see you, son. And when I got that, I was crazy about it. I got caught up, and I wanted people to know about that thing. And then Mike left, and we thought it was going to fall apart. And it wasn't because it was the message. And I started to get a chance to talk up front and say, hey, I want you to hear about this. Get caught up. Now, who was supposed to get caught up with? supposed to be caught up with this dude see his feet sticking out the word they're lowly 
The word for lowly means flattened. Okay? Now, I don't have anybody in this room who's been flattened by life, right? I ain't even look. But if you got if you have been flattened, if you felt like that, raise your hand up. Okay? See, see, the leveler isn't position and power. The leveler is that. Have you been flattened trying to do it on your own? Have you been flattened by cancer? Have you been flattened by addiction? Have you been flattened by finances? Have you been flattened by relationships? Have you been flattened? Have you been flattened by academics? Have you been flattened by too many choices? You in? Because if you in, I'm supposed to be crazy about somehow this message has something to say to you. That's what Paul's saying. The gospel is the medicine for that dude. If we can find the rest of it. Flat. That's what lowly. Those who've been pressed and harassed and flattened by life. Those who are weary and burden, heavy burden, he says, come find rest for your soul. See, I, I, I think somehow I never heard that. And when I started hearing that my relationship with Christ is a place where I can find rest, I said, somebody got to hear about this. Somebody got to hear about this. I got to tell somebody about it. And then he says something that's really crazy. Then he challenges you with this last phase. And never be wise in your own sight. Uh, my, my living Bible says, and don't be conceited. And that word has this notion of, of a arrogant, superior, snobbish, separating, dividing, judging, perception of yourself as a half. I got it, man. It sucks to be you. It sucks to be y'all, man. I'm, I'm good. Look at I can see y'all. You can stand up here with me. It's that kind of thing. Now, you know, you, you would say, Jay, I'll, I'll never do that. But see, he don't say it to only a few of us. He says it to all of us. All of us get preoccupied with our own interests. All of us are self-protective about the things we love. All of us have a, a, a higher evaluation, and it can go the other way. See, I can be arrogant or conceited in a positive way, or I can be, because some of you might say, well, shit, I don't feel like that. I, I, I suck. And I'm saying, he's talking to you too. That's an inappropriate evaluation. Because you can be arrogant the other way, too. I'm the worst of the worst. Anything bad, it always happens to me. And he's challenging that, too. That's still self-centered perspective. The problem is, the problem is to, to move away from the deception of selfishness can't be done on self-will. You can't will. You can't, okay, I'm just going to love Jesus, and I'll get out of this. Because now you're a hypocrite. Now, now you're divided. Your head's saying one thing, your heart's saying another. The only way, 
I can do that is I can I got to take my conceit to the Father who knows me like nobody else. I got to take my conceit to somebody who I don't have to pretend in front of. I have to take my positive conceit or my negative conceit and say, look at me, Lord. And I accept. See, now he says, instead of being wise in your own estimation, accept the Father's opinion of you. See, the Father is in love with you. He thinks you're so awesome that he gave you talents and strength and he gifted you. So my understanding is this. Instead of being conceited, we got to do two things. I got to be able to understand who I am, my strengths, my weaknesses, my gifts, and own them. I also have to be able to understand who I'm not. Because the things that I can't do, Randy can do. The things that I can't do, Adam can do. Because that's what a fellowship's about. Allowing brothers and sisters to come alongside you. The tension, I can't do anything about. I have to, I have to trust his promises. The only road to transformed believers is understanding the promises. The only solution for, for addressing the tension that this text creates is understanding his promises. Don't. You can't be good enough. You can't pray enough. You can't. You have to understand. You have to accept and receive his promise. His grace. The second thing, the third thing is, I think you got to be mindful of that there, there's something probably, the message is so big, there's people out there that need it. It's bigger than you. Bigger than you. There are times in my day where I'm caught up in my own head. I'm passionate, obsessed with my own problems, and God will bring somebody in my life. I'm sitting down last week fretting and fretting and fretting. I sit down with a couple, and the wife in the couple says, I have stage four cancer. And I'm like, whoa, dude. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm worried about, oh, you got to be kidding We all have stuff. But then we, you, someday I'm going to need you. Someday you're going to need me. That's the way it works. That's the way it works. Humility. He's asking you to live in humbleness. Be of one mind. Rejoice. Bless. Don't be. I'll finish with this. I'll try to read this to you. So the idea, so the idea in the thought here is that we are going to have this attitude towards one another, caring for one another. This has got to be our focus. We have to focus on not thinking about ourselves, which is, which can't happen without the promises. The, the Holy Spirit will open and our eyes to the needs of other people. But we can't meet those needs. It's difficult to meet those needs in the tension. And I'm saying don't pretend you don't have tension. Tension on one hand, grace on the other. It's not a battle. God's won it. But life on this side 
I gotta, I gotta, I gotta trust the promise. That's why Mike's calling the commitment. So well, okay. So what happens when people hurt us and cause us great grief in the family of God? Well, our response is to bless them. Now that doesn't come naturally. I, I think it's foreign. But as we come to understand who we are and who we're connected to, more importantly, and what he promises, that capacity grows. And have that attitude towards others. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We weep with those who weep. What is our focus to do that? Our focus is we don't, we don't consider ourselves to be haunted. We don't think more of ourselves. We don't have a high mindset, but we are very conscious and aware of others. And we want for them what we want for ourselves in that same situation. See, I didn't know it, but I needed God to love me, and he loved me. And some of you didn't know it, and God put people in your life. He orchestrates things. He keeps his promises. We don't. He keeps his commitment. We don't. I can commit blessing. I can commit to rejoicing. I can commit to weeping. I can commit to impartiality, but I can't do it. Now, something inside me agreed a long time. I'm not a good promise keeper. He is. He is the promise keeper. If this is what you want and you, and you want to be transformed, then you got to land on 10 commitments and sit with them. I got to understand his commitment to me. And then I got to be patient because this process is slow. The incubator for some of us is 80 years. Okay? You pop out when you, when you come out the other side of that. Your butterfly, you turn into a butterfly after you leave here. Nobody's a butterfly. All y'all look like caterpillars to me. Okay? Some of you in cocoons, it's really ugly. Okay? That's not going to change until you until until the other side of the grave. Amen. Watch your team come up. Dear Father, just want to say thank you for what you've done, and that these things that Paul talks about are the outgrowth of coming to understand that your your coming to understand your commitment to us. These aren't things that we have to do. These are things that are the result. Paul puts them out looking forward to our growth and our development as we become clearer about what you've done and how you're committed to us. We can bless. We can rejoice. We can begin to show impartiality. We can be crazy about the right thing. And we can learn humility. These things we say thank you for in advance. In Jesus' name, amen.